For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young House of my young Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the Shema and the Unity of the Godhead. This is part three of the series. Now we're going to look at Elohim in Hebrew with plural pronouns. And this as well was pointed out in the book, The Middle Pillar by James Trim, beginning on page 13. Furthermore, Elohim is referenced with plural pronouns as follows. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then Elohim said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. And Yahweh Elohim said, behold, the man has become like one from us, knowing good and evil. Genesis chapter 11, verse 7. Come, let us, Yahweh, go down and confuse their language. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. And here we have examples where Elohim is attributed to some type of plural nature, where it says, Remember now your creators in the Hebrew. In the days of your youth. Then Daniel chapter 7 verse 9. I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. Now in the book The Middle Pillar by James Trim on page 14. He explains the fact that the word Elohim is intended to reflect a plural implication is made clear in the following passage. Translated literally from the Hebrew in Psalm 82 verse 1. Elohim, the one presiding in the assembly of of El in among the Elohim, he gives judgment. And so in the book, Plurality in the Godhead, or How Can Three Be One by Rabbi Zavi Nasi, published in 1863, he explained the various places where God in plural is followed by God in the singular, violating Hebrew grammatical rules. I have investigated those passages in Holy Writ where we find God as the subject of the verb in the plural, but followed immediately by an another passage in which God is spoken of in the singular. Our teachers in ancient times expressed this truth when speaking of the three steps or three beings or the three original branches that these three are one, yet each exists of himself as the author of the book of creation expresses it. There are three, but each exists of himself. And so he making reference to some of the same passages that were 
pointed out for you already in the book, The Middle Pillar by James Trim. And so here, quoting from Plurality and the Godhead or How Can Three Be One by Rabbi Zavinasi, published in 1863. Thus we find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. God is speaking in the plural. And then there follows a sentence in the singular in Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. Then in Genesis chapter 11, verse 5, Moses speaks of God in the singular, and the Lord came down to see the city. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 7, God himself speaks in the plural. Go to let us go down, and we will confound their language. Now we're going to look at instances in the Hebrew where there's a reference to more than one Yahweh. And these examples come from the book, The Middle Pillar, by James Trim, pages 14 and 15. And he explains, Furthermore, one interesting problem in the Hebrew scriptures is the many passages in which the Hebrew grammar indicates more than one entity called Yahweh. For example, Genesis chapter 19, verse 24. And Yahweh rained brimstone and fire upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah from Yahweh, from the heavens. The Hebrew grammar here indicates that one Yahweh rains fire from another Yahweh. Now, from the book Messiah, volume 3 by Avi ben Mordecai, page 87, in explaining Exodus chapter 24, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then he, Yahweh, said to Moses, Come up to Yahweh. The one giving Moses the instructions to ascend is Yahweh, but yet he directs him to come up to Yahweh. Now, the book The Middle Pillar by James Trim on page 15, looking at these examples from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, and verses 13 and 14. And Yahweh appeared to him, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and beheld, three men stood by him. And Yahweh said to Abraham, Why is this? Sarah laughed, saying, Is it really true I will give birth, and I have grown old? Is anything too wonderful for Yahweh? In the book Messiah, volume 3, page 93, making a reference to Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 11, it says in the Hebrew, Yahweh of hosts has sent me Yahweh to you. The speaker is Yahweh, and he is saying that Yahweh has sent him. Hence, one Yahweh is sending another Yahweh to do a job. From the book, The Middle Pillar by James Trim, pages 15 and 16, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. Note, the speaker here is Yahweh, and then there's a shift in person in the language. I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look upon me whom they have pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Note the speaker is I in the first person, but refers to Yahweh in the third person and later at the end as you in the second person. Zechariah 14 verse 5. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus Yahweh, my Elohim, will come and all the saints with you. From Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. Thus says Yahweh, king of Israel, and his redeemer, Yahweh of hosts. I am the first and the last beside me. There is no Elohim. So the question from this verse, who is this Yahweh that is king of Israel and who is his redeemer, Yahweh of hosts? How is it that both of these entities known as Yahweh say, besides me, there is no Elohim? Continue.
Continuing looking at examples from the book, The Middle Pillar by James Trim on page 17, looking at Isaiah 48 verses 15 and 16. I, yes, I have spoken. Indeed, I have called him. I have brought him and will make his way succeed. Come near to me and hear this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in the secret. From the time that she was, there I am. And now Adonai Yahweh has sent me and his spirit. Note that the speaker is Yahweh, but here we have Yahweh being the speaker, Adonai Yahweh who sent him, she, i.e. his spirit, Ruach or spirit, is the only feminine word that she could refer to. Next example, Psalm chapter 50 verse 14. Offer to Elohim thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Note here that the speaker is the mighty one, Elohim Yahweh. And this is Psalm 50 verse 1. Who is Elohim? Who is the Most High? And who is I and me in the passages? Psalm 89 verses 6 and 7. El is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the Holy Ones and to be held in reverence by all around him. Here it seems to say that among the sons of Elohim, none compares to one, Yahweh, who is an El feared in the council of these Holy Ones. Psalm 91 verse 9. Because you, O Yahweh, are my refuge, the Most High Elyon, you have made your habitation. Has Yahweh made Elyon his habitation? Who is this Yahweh and who is this Elyon? Are they the same? Now, according to the Masoretic, there are 134 places where the scribes replaced Yahweh with Adonai. If we restore Yahweh to these passages, we have two new examples in the writings. And then from the book, Messiah Volume 3 by Avi Ben Mordecai, page 95, he explains that at the turn of the 20th century or the 1900s, biblical scholar C.D. Ginsburg, who lived from 1894 to 1926, collected many of these variant readings and published them. According to Ginsburg, there are 134 places where the Masoretic scribes replaced Yahweh with Adonai. In other words, in 134 specific places, if a reading in the Hebrew said Yahweh, the scribes substituted it with the actual word Adonai. And in the book Messiah, Volume 3 by Avi ben Mordecai on page 95, there is a complete list of those 134 occurrences here. Now, we're going to look at Psalm 110, and this comes from the book The Middle Pillar by James Trim on page 18. This is one of the places where the scribes replaced Yahweh with Adonai. In Psalm 110, 1a and 5a, Yahweh said to Adon, sit at my right hand. Yahweh is at your right hand. But according to the Midrash Tehillim, the second Lord in Psalm 110 verse 1 is the Messiah. So the Midrash Tehillim on Psalm 110 verse 1 renders it this way. The Lord said to my Lord, sit you at my right hand. To the Messiah it will be said, in mercy the throne be established. As pointed out in the book The Middle Pillar by James Trim on page 19, according to the Zohar Psalm 110 verse 1 has one aspect of the Godhead speaking to another aspect of the Godhead. Zohar 150b. Rabbi Simeon further gave an exposition of the verse. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your 
footstool. Psalm 110 verse 1. The Lord says unto my Lord, to wit, the upper grade of the Godhead said to the lower grade of the Godhead, sit at my right hand. So it is Psalm 110 that Yeshua made reference to and asked the question in Matthew chapter 22 when those around Yeshua ask of him, who are you? So in Matthew chapter 22 verses 41 through 43 it is written, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Yeshua asked them saying, what do you think of Messiah? Whose son is he? And they said, the son of David. So he said to them, how then does David in spirit call him Yahweh or Lord saying, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then called him Yahweh, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Next, we're going to look at an example in Lamentations chapter 3, as pointed out in the book, The Middle Pillar by James Trim on page 19, this being one of the places where the scribes replaced Yahweh with Adonai. And in particular, the focus is on Lamentations chapter 3, verses 36 and 37, where it says, to subvert a man in his cause, Yahweh does not see. Who is this who speaks and it happens? Yahweh does not command. So the commentary is that in the Masoretic text, verses 36 and 37 have Adonai, but the Masoretic lists these as two verses where the scribes replaced Yahweh with Adonai. Now this is very interesting. Elyon and Yahweh do not seem to be the same here. It is also almost as if Elyon here has more authority and power than Yahweh. Both good and bad come from the presence of Elyon, but Yahweh does not see nor commanded it. Next, we're going to share with you in the concluding part of this teaching the concept that in exile, there is no unification of the name. And the Shekinah is regarded as being in exile when the nation of Israel is in exile. But in the end of the exile or the unification of the 12 tribes of Israel, the Shekinah will come out of exile. And with the return of the Shekinah, which is the glory of the Lord, which was also manifested in the form of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, with the end of the exile and the return of the Shekinah, there will be a revelation and there will be the unification of the name yod heh vav -Heh, and Yahweh will be seen and known in that day for who he is. Thus, we have the fulfillment of the Shema in knowing that Yahweh is Elohim when we see the end of the exile, when we see the Shekinah return from exile, and thus we will see the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 14 verse 9. In that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. So now from the Zohar, Exodus section 2, page 216b, after the recital of Hero Israel, we have to recite the section containing mention of the exodus from Egypt, Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 through 41. For the reason that the Shekinah was in the Egyptian exile, and as long as she is in exile, there is no union between the upper and the lower worlds. Now, the upper and the lower worlds referring to a union between heaven and earth. So, in exile, the Holy One is not 
not called echad or one, or not seen or revealed as being echad or one. From the Sanchino Zohar to Leviticus, section 3, page 7b. At the present day, the Holy One, blessed be He, is not called one. The inner reason is that the community of Israel is in exile, and the Holy One, blessed be He, has ascended aloft, and the union has been broken, so that the Holy Name is not complete, and is therefore not called one. Now from the book, Plurality in the Godhead, or How Can Three Be One, by Rabbi Zavi Nasi, published in 1863, points out that in the Zohar, volume 3, page 307, Amsterdam edition, I found the following instruction respecting the words of Kiss the Son. Rabbi Simeon ben Johai proves from Isaiah chapter 19, verse 1, that Jehovah or Yahweh, spoken of there as riding upon a swift cloud to execute judgment upon Egypt, is no other than the Son of God, spoken of in Psalm chapter 2, verse 12, which says, Kiss the Son. And so, in the plurality in the Godhead, or How Could Three Be One by Rabbi Zavinasi, published in 1863, it continues on, and he explains, These are his words of triumphing faith. You are the faithful shepherd. Concerning you, that is the faithful shepherd, it is said in Psalm chapter 2, verse 12, Kiss the Son. You are the mighty one of the earth, the Lord of Israel, the Lord of the serving angels, the Son of the highest, the Son of the Holy One. Blessed be He, yes, the Shekinah. So here, the association is being made between the faithful shepherd, who is the Son, who is the Lord of Israel, who is the Son of the highest, who is the Son of the Holy One, who is also the Shekinah and is Yahweh. Well, Yeshua in John chapter 10, verse 11 and verse 14 said, He is the good shepherd, as it is written. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. John chapter 10, verse 17. Therefore does my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. In the book, Plurality in the Godhead or How Can Three Be One by Rabbi Zavi Nasi, published in 1863, making a reference to the Zohar, volume 3, page 281, Amsterdam edition. God said, Faithful shepherd, verily you are my son, yea, the Shekinah, yea, mighty, and yea, angels. Kiss the son, Psalm 2.12. All of you arise and kiss him, and receive him, the son, the faithful shepherd. Receive him as your Lord, and receive him as your king. Yeshua is the king of kings. Revelation chapter 19, verses 13 and 14. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And continuing on, Revelation chapter 19, verses 15 and 16. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, looking at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39, it is written, Know therefore this day and consider it in your heart that Yahweh, he is Elohim. Now, as explained from the Sanchino Zohar to Exodus section 2, page 161b, that the only aim and object of the Holy One in sending man into this world is that he may know and understand 
understand that Yahweh is Elohim. This is the sum of the whole mystery of the faith of the whole Torah. This knowledge that Yahweh is one with Elohim is indeed the synthesis of the whole Torah. The Torah being about the mystery or the revelation of the divine name or the holy name. So all the Torah is about knowing that Yahweh is Elohim and the understanding the revelation and the insight of the Shema as fulfilled in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 9 that in that day the Lord will be one and his name one and he will be king over all the earth. Now when there's no longer exile when we have the gathering uniting the 12 tribes of Israel which is the role and the task and the function of the Messiah and so when we have the establishment of the messianic kingdom which is called the messianic redemption it is at this time that the Holy One is called one and there is a unification of the name yod Hey with vav Hey, and all of Israel and the world will have the full revelation and understanding of who is yod Hey vav Hey, which is Yeshua the Messiah. So from the Sanchino Zohar to Leviticus section 3, page 7b, at the present day, the Holy One, blessed be He, is not called one. When will He be called one? When the Matrona will be again with the king and they shall be united when in the words of the prophet the kingdom shall belong to Yahweh the kingdom referring to the community of Israel to whom kingship is attached then in that day the Lord Yahweh will be one and his name one Zechariah in chapter 14 in verse 9 so in John chapter 12 verse 28 it is written father glorify your name then came there a voice from heaven saying I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. So Father, glorify your name. That's the unification of the name yod Hey vav Hey. And the answer is it has been done and this is speaking about the historical Egyptian redemption and the event associated with his name being glorified is when he delivered his people out of Egypt and Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea. But it will be glorified again. So his name is glorified. His name is seen as being one when he redeems his people they're not in exile so it's associated with the end of the exile now we look at exodus chapter 15 verses 1 and 2 to understand that yahweh is glorified when he redeemed his people from egypt then sang moses and the children of israel this song on the lord and spake saying i will sing unto the lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea verse 2 the Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. And it says in the King James, and I will prepare him a habitation. But here where it's translated, I will prepare him a habitation. It's the Strong's number 5115. And it's the Hebrew word Navab, which means to beautify. So now in the Art Scroll Sador or prayer book on page 79, in referring to Exodus chapter 15. This is my God and 
I will build him a sanctuary that it explains that this can be rendered. I will beautify or glorify him. This understanding is picked up in the book, The Wisdom of the Hebrew Alphabet on page 93. This is my God and I will glorify him. Exodus chapter 15 verse 2. So John chapter 12 verse 28. Father, glorify your name. Well, that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject, the Shema and the unity of the Godhead. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.